Please take your Bible and turn to the book of Philemon. Today we will finish, God willing, the study of the book of Philemon that we've been engaged in. This makes the fifth week. Today I'm going to begin reading at verse 19, although the primary focus of what I'm going to be sharing will be from verses 23 through 25. Philemon, beginning with verse 19, I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will repay it, not to mention to you that you owe to me even your own self as well. Yes, brother, let me benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Having confidence in your obedience, I write to you, since I know that you will do even more than what I say. At the same time, also prepare me a lodging, for I hope that through your prayers I will be given to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, greets you, as do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. As chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff of the United States Armed Forces, General Peter Pace commands 1.4 million troops. He's a 1967 graduate of the Naval Academy, and his first assignment was a combat assignment in Vietnam. He commanded a Marine rifle team. If you and I were invited to his office in the Pentagon today, we would notice on his desk a picture of a Marine. That picture is the picture of the first man under his command whom he lost in battle in Vietnam. The Apostle Paul was a general also. And he loved his men just like Peter Pace loved his men. men. And when he lost a man, it pained him. And he did lose some men. He lost a man that we're going to look at today, Demas. And he also lost a man who's mentioned in this passage of Scripture, Mark. Paul was a man who was intent upon setting the best example he could for those men whom he led because he wanted them to be able to set an example for those whom they were someday to lead. And among those traits which he prized, perhaps maybe more than all others, was the trait of faithfulness. We've been looking at how Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Paul set the example of faithfulness for his men as he followed the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was keenly aware of what the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 3.2 when he says, he was faithful, speaking of Jesus Christ, he was faithful to him who appointed him. Jesus Christ was ultimately and flawlessly faithful to the Father throughout his entire life. Now, the Apostle Paul was flawed. It's hard to find his flaws sometimes, but he had flaws. But his heart was to be faithful to his Lord. What can we gain in terms of understanding from the Scriptures in general, and this passage in specific as to what it means to be a faithful person. What is faithfulness? The definition of faithfulness is really given to us in the passage which was read earlier from Daniel chapter 6, verse 4. Did you notice what the Bible said about Daniel? 
He was found faithful, and there was no negligence or corruption which could be found in him. Those who would want to undermine his authority sought to find things that were corrupt in him. The word which is translated corruption in Hebrew is the word which is the opposite of honesty. So Daniel was a man of honesty. He was a man of integrity. And if you and I are going to be faithful people, we also are going to be people of honesty and integrity. That means when you, on your voicemail, leave this kind of message, Hello, this is Mike Woods. I'm sorry I missed your call. Please leave your name and number, and I will return your call as soon as possible. That means we will do what we say. We want to be absolutely honest in matters like that. If you make an appointment with someone and fail to keep the appointment, that's an example of corruption in your life. And it is also one in my life. And we should aim to be on time, even in El Paso. When we promise that we're going to be somewhere at a specific time, we need to be on time. That is an expression of faithfulness. We need to be absolutely honest. Well, a story which I read many years ago, I cannot remember the source of it, Probably it happened. It's a story about a pastor and his family who at Christmas received many nice gifts from their church family. But one gift was a little too hard to stomach. It was a mincemeat pie, which was incredibly dry. And they took one bite of it, and then they threw it away. The pastor was wondering, if the lady who so kindly provided this asks me how the pie was, how am I going to respond to her? Well, sure enough, the next Sunday when he saw her, she asked, how did you like that pie? And he said, it was just fine. It's the kind of pie which doesn't last long around our house. (laughs) Now, he was honest, but maybe not absolutely honest. But what we need to aim for, if we're going to be people of faithfulness, if we're going to be like Jesus in this and like the Apostle Paul, we're going to be absolutely honest. The writer of Daniel also says that not only... Was there no corruption which could be found? But there was also no negligence in his life. The word negligence is the opposite of the word dependability. He was trustworthy. He was loyal. He was a faithful man, reliable. And if we're going to be people of faithfulness, we're going to be that kind of individual. A big part of faithfulness really is just showing up, being there. On September the 6th, 1995, Cal Ripken Jr. stepped onto the field at Camden Yard in Baltimore. He had played for the Baltimore Orioles for almost two decades at that point. And when he stepped between the lines, the crowd stood to its feet, a capacity crowd, and they began to cheer him. And for 22 minutes, there was uninterrupted applause for Cal Ripken Jr. What had he done? Well, his feet had little to do with accuracy, with strength, or with speed. The characteristics we usually associate with a successful athlete, a Hall of Famer like he has become since that day, it had everything to do with his showing up because he had that night broken a record which had stood since 1939 set by Lou Gehrig when Lou Gehrig had played 2,130 consecutive games. He was playing in his 2,131st consecutive games. He had shown up. There were times, any person who's played sports at all, there are times when you don't feel like showing up. 
You're aching, you're hurting, you might be sick physically. But despite that, Cal Ripken Jr. kept showing up. He's a secular example of a faithful person. He hung in there and he kept coming as he set this great record. And if we're going to be like Jesus, aren't you glad Jesus showed up? I'm glad. And I'm also grateful for the Apostle Paul that he showed up. Think about his dependability. Well, another aspect of dependability is reflected in the book of Hebrews, which is just one book back toward the back of your Bible. So since we're close by, let's turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Verse 1 is a familiar verse with, to you, I'm sure. Hebrews 12:1. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, the picture which the writer is painting is the picture of the athletic arena. And the stands are packed with people. Now, here's the picture. And this is a real picture. This is happening right now. In heaven, it's as if there's a gallery or a balcony. And it's filled with people of faith. Some of whose names are mentioned in the 11th chapter of Hebrews. And they are peering over the balcony of heaven onto the arena, the world in which we live. And they are cheering us on. They are hopeful that we will finish the race. And that we will, like they, be people of faith. That when the time comes for us to pass the baton to somebody else who's going to continue once we leave this life, that we won't drop the baton. Or when it's given to us, we won't drop the baton. That we will be people who are faithful. He goes on to say here, let us also lay aside every encumbrance. And notice, this is not a sin, these encumbrances. They are things which vie for attention in our lives to the exclusion of what would be best for our lives. And the sin which so easily entangles us. Well, notice that the writer here uses the definite article, the, to describe sin. But we're left in the dark as to the specific nature of the sin. But really, we aren't left in the dark. Because the context would indicate that the sin that he's speaking of here is the sin of unbelief. And what is characteristic of a person who is a faithful person is a person who lets go and lets God control his or her life. Not only is a person who is a faithful person, a person who shows up, but a person who shows up and trusts God with every aspect of his or her life. This is a life lesson that is So important for us to learn. We will never become what God wants us to become until we learn to let God be God in our lives. To realize that what Jesus says is true. Apart from Him, we can do nothing. We can't do anything except trust the Lord and be men and women of faithfulness. So we have in this verse from Daniel 6 some understanding of what faithfulness is. But let's look now at the demonstration of faithfulness, and let's think a moment about the way in which God has demonstrated His faithfulness to us. As I was preparing this message, I wanted to consider how often the Apostle Paul, in his 13 letters, used this formula, God is, and then he filled in the blank with an adjective, a descriptive term of what God is or who God is. Do you know there are only six times in all of Paul's writings that he says God is and then he fills in the blank? Only six times. And three of those times 
he fills in the blank with the word faithful. In 1 Corinthians 1.9, he says, God is faithful. In 1 Corinthians 10.13, he says, God is faithful. In 2 Corinthians 1.18, he says, God is faithful. He almost says it in 1 Thessalonians 5.24, where he says, faithful is he who called you. He doesn't really use the name God, but we know the reference, obviously, is to God. But there are only three times where he says God is faithful. Three out of the six times when he uses this formula, he speaks of the faithfulness of God. God is faithful. The Bible tells us in Lamentations 3.23, Great is thy faithfulness. Don't you love to sing that great hymn of our faith? Great is thy faithfulness. His compassions are new every morning. He is this kind of faithful God. In Psalm 145, verse 13, the Bible says, The Lord is faithful to keep His promises. Praise God that He keeps His promises. He is not a man that He should lie, or a son of man that He should repent. Has He said it, and will He not do it? Has He spoken, and will He not fulfill it? The demonstration of God's character in our lives He confirms it over and over again. A person who is a faithful person is a person who is firm and can be counted upon. We can count upon our God because of who He is. Faithfulness in men, however, is a bit more rare than it is in God. Before we explore that, though, I'd like to emphasize once more the faithfulness of the Apostle Paul. Can you think of a passage of Scripture which indicates his faithfulness? The thought that came to me was 2 Corinthians chapter 11, where he begins to catalog all these hardships which he had faced. And he talks about how five times he had beaten, been beaten 39 times by the Jews, one beat short of what was considered to be the death blow. He had been stoned one time. He had been beaten with rods three times. He'd been shipwrecked. Three times. He'd spent a day and a night in the sea at sea. He was a man, he said, I was in dangers from the rivers, from the robbers, from my countrymen, from the Gentiles. I was in danger from the false brothers. I was danger in the city. I was in danger in the wilderness. He had all kinds of dangers in his life, but the Apostle Paul remained faithful. He was a faithful man. But faithfulness is rare. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 6, it says, Many a man professes his love, but a faithful man who can find. Faithful people are in short supply. And the Lord calls us to be faithful. Faithful in our relationship to Him, for sure. The Bible says this about God. If we are faithless, He remains faithful. God is faithful to us even when we slip, and all of us have failed. All of us have wandered away from time to time. We do it probably daily in some way or another, but the Lord speaks to us and He calls us back and we get on the path again. Faithful people are in short supply. I read a very poignant story just last month. It really touched my heart about a man whose wife was ravaged by Alzheimer's disease. And for five years, she did not know. She had not known who he was. She didn't even know him when he would go to see her. And he was visiting with their mutual physician, getting his annual checkup. And he was talking shop with this man. He was a personal friend of his as well as his doctor. And all of a sudden, he realized that he was almost going to be late 
for the time that he went every day to spend time with his wife. And he jumped up and the doctor said to him, what's wrong? He says, I'm going to be late to see my wife. And the physician friend of his said to him, don't worry about it. She doesn't even know you. And this is what he said. He said, she doesn't know me, but I know who she is. That's faithfulness, isn't it? Faithfulness when things aren't really the way we would like them to be in our relationships. We have to be faithful as we follow Jesus and as he gives us the grace to be faithful. Well, faithfulness is required for the fulfillment of the gospel enterprise, too. This is really important. This is Ricky's life verse, actually, Ricky, if I'm not mistaken. 2 Timothy 2, 2 says, The things which you have heard, now Paul's writing to Timothy, The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to what kind of people? Faithful men who will also be able to teach others. If we're going to see the gospel message spread out all over the world and touch people so that we can win the world of Jesus Christ, it depends upon faithful people. That's why Paul was so insistent upon this matter of faithfulness in those men whom he ministered to. In Colossians, the last chapter, he talks about some of the same men that he mentions here at the end. He talks about Epaphras, and he talks about Mark and Luke. These were his men. He talks about Demas over there. He talks about Aristarchus. He also talks about two men, Tychicus, and this is how he describes Tychicus. He calls Tychicus a faithful servant, a beloved brother and a faithful servant. He was a man, undoubtedly, that Paul poured his life into. And then he talks about Onesimus, the man whose life really precipitated the writing of the book of Philemon. And he calls him also a faithful brother. These were characteristics in Tychicus and Onesimus which enabled Paul to give the books of Colossians and Philemon to those men to go together to deliver those letters. Faithful men. I hope you've thought about that verse in 2 Timothy 2.2 before where it talks about Paul entrusting to Timothy these truths who in turn entrust to faithful men who in turn entrust to others. Our responsibility, if we're going to win the world of Christ, it's not going to be done by a person like me, not a preacher. It's going to be done by people like you, people who love the Lord, people who are men and women who are faithful men and women, people of integrity, people in whom Christ has invested, and you're going to penetrate the world where you work, where you live, where you play, And God's going to bring you in touch with people who need to know Jesus. I had a great experience this week. I was spending a gift card that the ladies' ministry gave to me at Dillard's, and that was fun, going out and buying some things that I really probably wouldn't have gotten, maybe don't even need, but it was fun to do it anyway. And when I came to check out, this young man who was helping was a very nice young man. And he said, your face is familiar. And I said, well, I'm the pastor at Coronado Baptist Church, thinking that maybe he'd come here to worship the Lord with us. And he had never been here, but he said, there's a man who comes to your church, and his name is Chuck Connor. And then he began to tell this fabulous story. I wish time would permit me to tell all that happened. But to say the least, this man was in need of surgery. His light bill was about to, I mean, his electricity was about to be cut off because he couldn't pay it. He was selling burritos, which he was making in his house and going to construction sites. And Chuck is a construction 
engineer. And he went up to him an hour and a half before his electric bill was going to be cut off, his electric utilities were going to be cut off, and he explained his plight to Chuck. Chuck listened. I'm sure he prayed about it. You know what Chuck did? He paid the man's bill. And he said, would you meet me in the morning at 6 o'clock for breakfast? Chuck asked this man. He said, yes, sir, I'll meet you. He met him, and he shared Jesus Christ with this man. Edel is this man's name. This man radiates. I believe he's been, he's been saved. I'm sure of it. He's going to be coming to worship with us next Sunday. He's a guy who was on the edge of going over. But here is a man in our church who learned how to share his faith. He's a shy man, actually. Chuck is not probably a real outgoing man by his own admission. He'd probably say that. But he learned how to share his faith, and he shared it with this man, first in an act of kindness to the man, and then he probably led the man to Christ. I can't say for sure the man's a Christian because we didn't have time to talk about it. But if he isn't yet, he will be. Do you get a picture of how your life can impact other people's lives for the Lord Jesus Christ? If you're a faithful man or a faithful woman, the Lord will use you to impact eternity. Now, faithfulness has to really be demonstrated in our lives if we're to receive a reward at the end of life, too. And we don't need to be completely reward-oriented. However, Jesus talks about, and you're familiar with what he said to one of those men who multiplied the talents which he had left, this man had left in the trust of these three servants. He says, well done, good and faithful slaves, slave rather. You were faithful in a few things. I'm going to put you in charge of many things. And that's not talking about in this life, by the way. It's talking about in heaven. Do you know that we will be rewarded in direct proportion to the kind of faithfulness we demonstrated to our Lord in this life? Jesus says in Revelation chapter 2, verse 10, He says in that passage of Scripture, If you will be faithful unto death, I will give you the crown of life. Mark 13, 13, Jesus says, He who perseveres to the end, he will be saved. Does that mean that our salvation depends on our gritting our teeth and pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps? That's not what that means. What it means is, if we really know the Lord, we will aim in the direction of faithfulness. There will be periods of our lives when we won't be so faithful, but really the focus of our life will be to be faithful to the Lord. And we will follow the Lord. And the result of that will be when the end time comes, we'll stand before the Lord. And when the sheep and the goats are separated, praise the Lord, we'll be in the camp of the sheep. Because of our relationship to Jesus, which issued in faithful behavior in our lives. Well, let's consider how do we develop this faith. This is important, isn't it? How do we develop faithfulness? The Bible of Psalm, in Psalm 37, 3 says... Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Now, what that suggests to us is that faithfulness is not something which comes naturally to us. Does it come natural to you? It's not natural to me. I feel the tug away from faithfulness all the time. I feel the tug of that, and perhaps you feel it too. It's not natural for me to be faithful. Mother Teresa was asked by someone... Uh, why she did what she did when it seemed that there was so little good being done compared to all the suffering in India. 
She was asked, do you believe your ministry with the missionaries of charity is successful? And this is what she said. God did not call us to be successful. He called us to be faithful. So we keep plugging away. Do you know how you develop this faithfulness? You cultivate it. You cultivate it one act of faithfulness at a time. One act of faithfulness at a time. I mentioned Peter Pace as I began this message. General Peter Pace the most powerful military person in the world. He started out, and he only had 39 men under his command. 39 men. A lieutenant in the Marine Corps. He had succeeding assignments, hazardous duty in Thailand, in South Korea, twice in Somalia. He had all kinds of American assignments, safer assignments. But he worked his way up through the ranks. Do you know, he didn't jump from being a lieutenant to being the general of the entire armed force of the United States overnight. That's what we want to do. We want to go from just entering in many times to being the leader. But what he did was he demonstrated faithfulness, didn't he? Little bit by little bit. And that's what Paul did in his life. Sometimes we fail to really read the fine print in the New Testament. Do you know that the Apostle Paul spent 17 years before he ever really went up to Jerusalem and had any kind of impact, Barnabas went and had to go and get him from Antioch and take him to Jerusalem. Seventeen years. Three years of that time was spent alone in the Arabian desert, probably alone with the Lord. Seventeen years. What was Paul doing in that seventeen years? He was building a life of faithfulness during that 17 years, which enabled him to be used so mightily of God down the way. And that will be true of you and me. If we're going to be used by God, we have to develop faith one step at a time, one act upon one act upon one act. That's what has to happen in our lives. Now, I want to go back to something I said earlier. You may remember that I said there are six times in the New Testament where the Bible says God is and then it fills in the blank. Now, three of those, we know what the, the answer is. God is faithful. The other three say this, God is able. And in this passage that we're looking at today, look at verse 25 of Philemon. It seems so innocent. It's like a benediction. We just kind of ignore it, pass over it if we're not careful. But it is really the key to being like Christ for all of us. Paul writes, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. And we have seen that the term grace really means the power for living the Christian life. The power for living the Christian life, which comes from the Lord Jesus Christ, be with your spirit. How can we be faithful? I've already said that faithfulness does not come naturally to us. It's something which we must cultivate. It has to be done in dependence upon the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. In one of those three statements which says God is able, here's the way Paul finishes it in 2 Corinthians 9.8. He says, God is able to make all grace abound to you. This is exciting to me. You know, this could be a very frustrating message for me and probably for many, if not all of you. How can I be this kind of faithful person? It's not in me. Well, if Christ is in you, it is in you. And what we must learn is to depend upon the Lord Jesus Christ and His grace, not our own power, but the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we depend upon the Lord Jesus Christ, then He reproduces His life through us. And one of the aspects of the fruit of the Spirit is what? faithfulness. So it's a work of the Holy Spirit in me. Christ's grace 
gives me the capacity to be this kind of person. Well, here's the somewhat sad part of this passage of Scripture. It has to do with the death of faithfulness in the life of this man who is mentioned in verse 24, Demas. Let's go to 2 Timothy. Just turn back toward the front, one book, to 2 Timothy. And notice what Paul writes in verse 10. For Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Wow. Demas, who is described by Paul in Philemon as his fellow worker, a man just like those other men who are mentioned, just like Epaphras and Aristarchus and Mark and Luke and those he mentions in Colossians, Tychicus and Onesimus, a man whom he thought was faithful into whose life God spoke through the Apostle Paul. Paul poured his life into this man. Paul discipled this man. But what happened to him? There was a death of faithfulness. I think he had some faithfulness in his life to begin with. But there was a death of faithfulness in his life. Now, we need to consider how that happened. It says, for love of this present world, he deserted Paul and went back or went to Thessalonica. Benedict Arnold is an infamous name in our nation's history. Were it not for his betrayal of the Continental Army and the continent uh, we know as America, what was the United States, became the United States. Were it not for his betrayal, do you know he would have been one of the great heroes of the American Revolution? He served with great distinction and courage at Ticonderoga and Quebec and other sites in the war. He was wounded in one battle two times. And while he was recovering, he was given an assignment in Philadelphia as the general commanding the forces there in Philadelphia. It was there that he met a young lady who was the daughter of a Tory, and she herself was a Tory. You know what a Tory is? A Tory was a British sympathizer. He married her. He made an alliance with someone who was opposed to the cause. And then he was passed over for promotion. He should have been promoted. But there were other generals who did not get the kind of promotions that he probably should have gotten. But undoubtedly that began to fester and he became bitter because he had been overlooked. And then he was approached by the British, and for 16 months he was in negotiations with the British. And finally, he took the bait. They offered him 6,000 pounds, which was a whole lot of money in that day and time. 6,000 pounds plus the promise of a generalship in the British Army if he would turn his assignment, West Point, over to the British. Well, you know the rest of the story. He was caught, not by the Americans, but caught in the act, and he got away, slipped away. His explanation of why he was such a traitor was that he thought it would be better to be ruled by Britain than to be dominated by the French, and he felt like the French had too much influence. But really what happened in his life is, in a sense, what happened in Demas's life. He got caught up with the lure of the world, the money, and that undoubtedly had a part to play in Demas's falling. You may remember Luke, who was a companion of Demas's carries the parable of Jesus and the various soils. Remember that, the four soils? The third soil was the soil where the seed is dropped in it, and the seed's the same in each case. The seed's dropped in, then there are thorns which grow up and choke out that seed. And you may remember that the description of Jesus for those thorns, he says that involves 
worries and riches and the pleasures of this world. His head was turned in some way. The the gospel was not exciting enough for him. As he looked at Rome and he saw all the glitz and glamour of Rome, and he was drawn in that direction, and it took him back to his pre-Christian experience when he was undoubtedly a pagan. He was not Jew by birth. He was a pagan, and he was drawn away from the Lord for that. Now, here's another thing. He made an unholy alliance with the world. In James 4, 4, the Bible says, friendship with the world is enmity with God. Have you made an unholy alliance with the world? The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the boastful pride of life. You know what the Bible says, the love of the Father and the love of the world cannot at the same time dwell in our hearts. It's impossible. It's mutually exclusive. That happened to Demas. And Demas went back to Thessalonica. He went back to the way he lived before he received the Lord Jesus Christ. His head was turned by what was there. Now, the Bible says, in fact, Jesus says, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. If we're going to be faithful people in the kingdom of God, we can't be looking back. We have to look forward. And that involves not looking back and being burdened about the sin that the Lord's forgiven us of, by the way, because everything in my past, everything in your past has been forgiven. Those things which we have confessed and repented of after we received Christ, those have been forgotten by the Lord. He, he says, their sins and lawless deeds I will remember no more. We've got to go forward. In a nutshell, Demas lost faith, didn't he? He lost faith. He didn't really believe what Paul teaches in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out. Now, I'm sure he wrestled. This was not an overnight decision which Demas made. It was there, much like with Benedict Arnold, maybe for months before he finally took the bait. He wrestled and he said, I just don't see a way out. But the Lord would have provided this dear man a way out. And we don't know what the final outcome of his life was. There is a suggestion, and I like this suggestion, but don't take this as being gospel. Demas is a diminutive of the name Demetrius. It would be like this. My name is Michael, but I go by Mike. Mike is to Michael as Demas is to Demetrius. We meet a man named Demetrius in Ephesus in Acts chapter 19. He's a silversmith, and he leads an uprising against the Apostle Paul. Remember that? We meet Demas again in 3 John verse 12. And in that verse, this Demetrius who is mentioned there, is a man who is a man of sterling faith. Is it possible? There's no way to know for sure. But is it possible that the Demetrius of Ephesus in Acts 19 is the same Demetrius, and I think he is the same one because John was the pastor of Ephesus that's mentioned in 3 John verse 12. Is it possible that that Demetrius is the Demas that Paul speaks of? as having left him for love of this present world. I like to think it is. I don't know if it is. But what it would communicate for us for sure is that there's hope for people like Demas. You know why I'm so happy about that? Because I'm like Demas. (laughs) Most of you would really be insulted if I came to you and said, you're like Judas Iscariot. 
But if I were to say to you, you're like Demas, it probably wouldn't bother you too much. At least it wouldn't have before this morning as we've looked at his life. Now, there's another man mentioned here, Mark. And we know that Mark deserted Paul too. Remember on the first missionary journey, he got cold feet and he ran back to Mama? That's what happened to him. He was intimidated. But what do we see here? We see that Mark is mentioned. And also what we see, if we were to take time to look at Colossians chapter 4 and also 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul says things like this to the Colossians. You have received instructions about him. Welcome him if he comes to you. The word was out on John Mark. He had been a defector. He had been a traitor. But Paul says he's okay now. And then he says to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, pick him up and bring him with you because he has been useful to me now for service. There had been a restoration there in John Mark's life. Maybe it didn't happen to Demas, but we definitely know it happened with John Mark. And he came back to the Lord and he was faithful again, wasn't he? Now, all this says to you and to me is that we need to aim to be faithful And we can't do it by ourselves. We have to trust the Lord to reproduce that in us. The motto of the United States Marine Corps is Semper Fidelis. Always faithful. Peter Pace has embodied that motto. Jesus Christ would say to us that a motto for us is to be Semper Fidelis. Always faithful. Faithful to Him, faithful in our relationships. And the Word of the Lord is so clear to us that the outcome of that will be glory to God, but also it will eventuate in our receiving the reward that the Lord wants to give us in heaven. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning and we ask that you would make us faithful people. Forgive us when we are lacking faith. Make us dependable. Thank you, Lord, for your grace that you give us forgiveness when we do fail. You restore us. And then you empower us to grow in our faithfulness. Please help us to do that in Jesus' name. Amen.